Welcome back. Uh, this is episode 15 of the Lotus Sutra, uh, my recital of the Lotus Sutra, that is, on Buddhist books by Edward Reed. That's me. Uh, the, the, the music is provided, not the music you just heard or the music before that, but the music, the drums you're hearing right now, is provided by uh, local drummers here in east of Kalash, New Delhi. Having some kind of celebration, no doubt. It happens quite often, sometimes at 4 a.m. It's fun, actually. Um, so, I'm not going to talk through this whole thing. I'm going to get to the book very soon. By the way, if this is your first time seeing me wearing this, I'm just checking the lighting because it's dark. It's actually raining outside. Um, so that's fun. All right, hopefully that'll be okay. Um... Not as much as it was. There was thunder and lightning before. Hopefully that drums aren't too distracting. Maybe they'll stop in a little while. People hooting and hollering as well. It's about uh, 9 p.m. exactly on the dot, India time, um, on the 25th of February, 2022, if you were curious. And uh, if this is your first time seeing me, uh, click here, and that's the whole playlist, which includes, so far, my recital of the whole Dhammapada and the first sixth or so of the Lotus Sutra. I recommend starting with episode one of the Dhammapada. And uh, that's a good place to start. And, but if you're definitely here for the Lotus Sutra, you're not interested in Dhammapada right now, maybe you've already read it or you just aren't into that Theravada stuff. Well, I can't relate, but, uh, you know, I, I, I guess... People like you exist, maybe. Um, you probably won't like this series. Anyway, uh, so go ahead and click here. That's episode one of Lotus Sutra. Um, okay, so yeah, that shot in the beginning was because this is here in the background always. See? The candle underneath the Tonka painting uh, from Kathmandu in between the Kakejikus, right? is this table with the drawers. It's like just sort of a regular old filing cabinet with a carpet on top. And it's kind of hard to make out what all is on there from your vantage point. So I thought since I went to MT yesterday and got some new statues that I would show off a little bit so you can see what, what's on top of it. Uh, the new things, well, let's see. What you saw, the, uh, the opening shot was on Mandrava which I bought from, uh, from Sal Santoro at the Crooked Path. Um, I think the day that they opened, or maybe before they opened, and uh, she was the first of the five students, 
consorts of Padmasambhava. And uh, they, they, were, they were in Pakistan. They were both from Pakistan. They didn't call it Pakistan back then. It was 1,300 years ago. Pakistan is relatively new. Anyway, um, there was a whole drama with her dad not approving of her working with him and setting a forest on fire, which they turned into a lake through the power of Tantra. The kind you're thinking of, actually, this time. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? You saw her, and then you saw Avalokiteshvara on the left. We mentioned him before. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and bring him over so you can... Uh... We were talking about him last time. I think you've got to look at how terribly this looks from the back. I really have no idea how to put it on, but I can kind of make it look like intentional a little bit from the front. Um, so this is... Have a look at Avalokiteshvara, <laughs> right? Kind of a funny wordplay. There we go. So this is from a time when Avalokiteshvara was so upset because there's basically, I mean, in one telling of the story, and I'm not even sure what sutra this is from. We'll have Avalokiteshvara here. The lotus is in the other room today. What can you do? Uh, yeah. That's nice, because we're talking about bodhisattvas. This is the ultimate bodhisattva, Avalokiteshvara, also known as Kuan Yin. Kuan Yin doesn't look quite like that, although you might have seen, in fact, I'll, yeah, you see that? That's, I, that's someone performing on a stage, looking like, anyway. Uh, so they, they talk about the thousand-armed, uh, the Senju Canon I mentioned in the previous episode. So what happened was Avalokiteshvara and uh, Vajrapani and Manjushri, were doing their thing. And Manjushri is all about wisdom. And Avalokiteshvara is all about compassion. And later on, we'll get to the Diamond Sutra, and uh, not just the Sutra itself, but a good um, interpretation analysis of Diamond Sutra and, and kind of the surrounding, uh, you know, things that were going on at the time and, and the changes in um, kind of that whole Christian influence and a few other things. It's a good book. We'll get to it. Um, <clears throat> few things to get through before then. Anyway, uh, so Manjushri is all about wisdom. The wisdom to know that you know nothing. And by that, I don't mean what uh, Bill and Ted were talking about when they met Socrates. I know it's Socrates. Um, that's probably not even pronounced correctly. But anyway, um, the, the wisdom of knowing that form is emptiness and emptiness is form and ultimately all of this is just dust, right? That's wisdom. But wisdom without compassion can lead to sort of a nihilism in the negative sense. Um, not to mention depression and a lot of other things. So, so uh, emphasis was made whether, you know, I mean, you could interpret it this way, like, oh, well, that's why they did this. Or you could say, therefore, Avalokiteshvara came into the world um, to teach us all about compassion. Or, you know, that, emphasis, that part of the Buddhist teaching was more emphasis was given and the Bodhisattva Mahayana philosophy was developed. Um, so yeah, so on one hand you have Manjushri, wisdom, and on the other hand you have Avalokiteshvara, compassion. And then somewhere on another you know, end of some spectrum is Vajrapani, which is power! Power! Right? So Vajrapani wanted to give his power, his energy, he wanted to give that to all beings. And he did. And all the beings were like, thanks! Hoo-wee! You know? And then Manjushri <clears throat> was like, I, I want to give my wisdom to everybody. And then they all were like, 
Wow. Oh, yeah, that's true. And so Avalokiteshvara wanted to, you know, in, in this great compassion, I, my telling of the story is, I'm sure, terrible. I'm not, like, I haven't read where this comes from. I've only heard it from my friend Sharing Jam Show in Bhutan, and I'm relating it to you in my own words. Anyway, so, so Avalokiteshvara wanted to save all six types of beings. You remember I went through them before, gods, demigods, humans, animals, hungry ghosts, and those in the hells. Wanted to rescue them all from the great wheel of samsara, with Mara there munching on it and uh, bring everyone to nirvana. And so Avalokiteshvara kept saving souls and saving souls and saving beings and saving, you know, uh, sentient beings, I should say. And, uh, <clears throat> but just every time Avalokiteshvara turned around and looked at the hell realm, it was full again. Like the, the, these people just kept going back there. People just kept making wrong decisions. And even the ones kind of on their way to nirvana or in the God realm would, end up in the hell realm. And so Avalokiteshvara just started beating his, her, depends on who you ask, head against a rock and uh, just just beat himself up, literally, um, just in, in despair that, that he couldn't uh, save the beings. And, and he ended up breaking himself into many, many, many pieces. Kind of a horrible story, right? The end. Just kidding. Um, so, so, Man, so Manjushri and Vajrapani and Lord Buddha is in this story, believe it or not, right? And, uh, and, and you know, the original Buddha, Vairokana, Vairochana, Vairokana, anyway, um, and uh, a lot of other people all got together and they brought the pieces of Avalokiteshvara together and they added their own energy, right? So here you have the heads of Buddha, Vairokana and Vajrapani and Manjushri and they all came together into this thousand armed bodhisattva being and united together as one being who ultimately was Senju Kanan or Avalokiteshvara having gone through this process um, they were able to save all beings I guess the end of that story hasn't quite happened yet. It's sort of like reading chapter 22 of the book of Revelation and going, oh, won't, be that, won't that be nice, you know? Uh, so that's my horrible hash version, hashed up version of, of that story. Probably it comes from one of the sutras, so we'll get to it probably no, no time soon because I'm doing this a half an hour at a time. And as you can see, I often talk for 10 minutes or more uh, of that half an hour rather than getting to the reading. Was there a point? Yes, I was introducing you. I'll just cut short. So, so Avalokiteshvara, uh, Vajrasattva, another story. We'll get to it in the future. Um, and then Vajrapani is here. You saw he was the one, uh, you know, with the Dorja and everything. And then uh, Green Tara, the, the five Dhyana, Dhyani Buddhas. And then Padmasambhava, he was the one who's like, Rrr! I hope this isn't dis disrespectful, but uh, yesterday, Priyal, my wife, and her sister, best friend, uh, Nabina, were asking, like, why, why does his face look like that? And I said, well, he has five girlfriends, but he never ejaculates. So anyway, I, I hope I haven't horrified anybody, but that's why his face looks like that. I mean, that's, that's really why his face looks like that. Um, and, then, uh, and then Vimala Mitra, he, he was the, he's the big one behind Padmasambhava. They were buddies. They, they both brought the... Uh, the, the sutras from, from India to Tibet, and then uh, Vajra, uh, or Vimalamitra, uh, brought the sutras further into China 
possibly met up with Kukai there, who then brought it into Japan, and hence we have Shingon. Um, so, yeah, obviously Padmasambhava is the more famous of the two, which happened a couple hundred years after he came to Tibet. And that's another thing we'll get to. There's a book called Remembering Padmasambhava, or Remembering the Lotus Born, which is about the basically the guy, the monk, the scholar monk, whatever, who popularized kind of the worship of Padmasambhava. He didn't come to Tibet and say, here are the Vajrayana Sutras, worship me, by the way. I'm a big deal. That sort of happened later. So like they remembered, hey, remember that guy? Remember he, he, he kind of hooked up with, uh, with the queen back then? That guy, that guy was the second Buddha. And people were like, really? What? And so that's, that's what happened there. Um, then uh, the, the copper one, I had it polished. It's, uh, that's uh, Vajrayogini. And uh, she looks a lot like Kali. You know, same, same necklace and similar personality. And then uh, uh, Jambala was the last one we landed on. Yeshitsogil, the, the queen of Tibet. Um, what would Yeshi do? It's a podcast. I'll get back to it one day. Um, she's in the back corner, the one that was more colorful. And uh, in front of her was Manjushri, the one with the sword. Kalchakra, which is the god and goddess with the many arms that are in Yabyam, which means, you know, they're doing tantra in, in the way that you think of it when you first hear the word. A few episodes ago, was that a few episodes ago? No, it was in this episode. How many cards have I used? Well, anyway, in that episode, I explained that Tantra was a movement in which uh, power was taken back from the Brahmin to the people. And uh, basically, the idea was that even an untouchable, no matter what caste you are, you can perform the rituals, you can bring it into your home, you can ring a little bell, you can burn the incense, you can pray to the god, you can bless your family and uh, all this sort of thing. And so that was the thing that kind of merged with one of the branches of Madhyamaka Mahayana, which we'll get to later, and gave birth, sort of, to Vajrayana Buddhism. So, yeah, so Tantra started in, you know, what we now term Hinduism, and then it uh, influenced Buddhism kind of simultaneously as it was developing everywhere in India. Uh, but then there were the people that stayed focused, Mahayana, you know, Buddhism. And then there, you know, it had already been exported. So there was already Mahayana in China before Madhyamaka Mahayana was evolving into Vajrayana in India. And then the Mughals came. And they were those emperors that were ruling India for hundreds of years before the British. Uh, and they, they burned all the Vajrayana sutras and kind of ended Buddhism in India. Um, so thank goodness that Padmasambhava and his friends uh, did what they did, which was illegal at the time. They had to sneak out with those, with those sutras. Um, but we probably wouldn't have any knowledge whatsoever, we being the human race, of uh, Vajrayana if he hadn't done that. There would be no Shingon, there would be no what we term Tibetan Buddhism. There would be Tibetan Buddhism, but it would be Mahayana. So uh, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Okay, you saw my dad's Georgia, I think. Um, <clears throat> all right, I said I wasn't going to talk through this whole thing. But anyway, I just wanted to show you that because it's there in the background and I point to it in various episodes. And I say, oh, he's over there. 
but uh, now you've seen it all up close, and you've seen the new ones too. The new ones are uh, Jambala, I hope I'm saying that right. He's the one with the rat that barfs jewels, sort of a wealth god, you know. Not very Buddhist in the sense of, uh, you know, what people usually think of as Buddhism, but... Um, Speaking of which, <clears throat> it's been a few days, hasn't it? Uh, that's because I was writing a book. I decided about six days ago, hey, I'm going to write a book. And uh, then I wrote it and published it. And now it's available on Amazon. It's called Smaller Mouse by Edward Reed. Actually, most of it w had already been written. They're short stories that I wrote between 1992 and this year. Um, one was in 1992, one was this year. And the rest of them were in between, mostly around 2003, some... 1998, 1997, 96, um, and a few, a few like the really silly ones were written kind of within the past few years, um, but they're mixed up and they're out of order. And I recommend it. I mean, it's not off topic. It's sort of Buddhist. Some of it is Buddhist in a in a sort of abstract kind of like abstract, abstractly tantric Buddhist you know, way. And then some of it is very directly Buddhist. And, uh, and I actually write about my pilgrimage to Lumbini and kind of how that all went um, in, in Smaller Mouse. So Smaller Mouse, if you look up Smaller Mouse on uh, Amazon, you'll see a bunch of pictures of like mouse, you know, like for computer. So that won't work. If you type in Smaller Mouse Reeb, that's R-E-I-B, that's my last name, It'll also show you a bunch of these things and won't show you the book. If you, if you switch it to books, then, then you, you'll get there. But if you write Edward Reeb, E-D-W-A-R-D-R-E-I-B, smaller mouse, it'll take you right to it. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I said I wouldn't talk through the whole thing. I didn't say I wouldn't talk through 17, 18 minutes of it. Sorry. Uh, okay. So, jumping right in basically where we left off, you remember there were dreadful snakes, most venomous, talking about the old house, my old house, but also the old house of the old man who had many children and faked them out with the you know deer vehicle and the goat vehicle, but gave everybody bullock vehicles, and everybody was happy, and it didn't matter that he lied, right? Remember? Skillful means. Okay. <clears throat> so, talking about the house. It is the abode of very wicked creatures of every description. Are we talking about Sorry, I'm moving slowly because there's shark teeth on top. Every description. These monsters see the shark teeth. My grandpa collected those. My mom's dad, that is. The one, the scientist. All right. Okay. All right. No more interruptions, Edward. Let's stick to the Lotus Sutra, okay? People came for the Lotus Sutra, not to hear you ramble on. Actually, you're probably here to hear me ramble on by now. Otherwise, you would have given up on this series a long time ago. Unless you decided to start with episode 15 of the Lotus Sutra, in which case you must be really confused. All right. <clears throat> the, whole, the whole series is like this. Actually, in the beginning of Dhammapada, I was very like, okay, we're going to be reading Buddhist books. And then slowly, I just like stopped being that way and started kind of being... I guess myself, or myself kind of hamming it up for the camera, as it were. All right. Uh, yeah. Scorpions, dreadful snakes, most venom and horrible scorpions. 
and mice of all sorts. It is the abode of very wicked creatures of every description. We've heard that already. All right, moving along. Further, finally, finally, we're getting somewhere. At 19 minutes, 30 seconds, we're getting somewhere. Uh, further, one may meet in it, here and there, beings not belonging to the human race. Didn't you just say there were snakes and rats? Come on. Are we talking about like weird, something weird? I, I suppose so. Um, it is defiled with excrement and urine and teeming with worms, insects, and fireflies. It resounds from the howling of dogs and jackals. What sweet music they make. Music. Keanu Reeves, anybody? In it are horrible hyenas that are wont to devour, maybe want, want, I think is what they were going for, to devour human carcasses. Many dogs and jackals greedily seeking the matter of corpses. <laughs> Those animals, weak from perpetual hunger, go about in several places to feed upon the prey, and quarreling fill the spot with their cries. Okay. I read that in a way like it didn't make sense, but it made sense. And quarreling. Fill the spot with their cries. See? Now it makes sense. Such is that most horrible house. I have a feeling Buddhism influenced Gnosticism quite a bit. Have you seen uh, Faraya, the uh, darkest light? It's kind of like, I mean, when they get into the philosophy of the weirdo cult people that are killing people, you know, I mean, it, it's basically like, have I talked about this already? It's like, it's not favorable toward Gnosticism, but they're talking about how the Gnostics believe that this is a horrible world and that they want to get out and that this world was created by a bad God, not the Jehovah that we all know and love, you know, uh, so, yeah, it sounds like Buddha talking about Mara. I will not let you build my house anymore. You know, I will not, I will no longer live in this house, this dreadful house, right? I don't know. There's some crossover, I think, with at least some of the things that people refer to as Gnosticism, but not all of them, because there are quite a few. Anyway, all right, moving along. There are also very malign goblins, not like Hoggle. Remember Hoggle? He's a nice goblin. Anyway, who violate human corpses. What do they mean? Okay. In several spots, there are centipedes, huge snakes and vipers. Those animals creep into all corners where they make nests to deposit their brood, uh, which is often devoured by the goblins. Oh, bleh. And when those cruel-minded goblins are satiated with feeding upon the flesh of other creatures so that their bodies are big, then they commence sharply fighting on the spot. In the wasted retreats are dreadful malign urchins. Urchins, okay. Some of them measuring one span. Wow. One span, how, is that, does that mean like an arm span or something? Uh, others, one cubit or two cubits. What's a cubit? I mean, I know they talk about cubits in the Bible, but still. Okay, 
uh, all nimble in their movements. Why are they talking about cubits here? That's the thing. It's like somebody translated this into Kajev, into like old school biblical English. Uh, all right. Mm -hmm. Yep. One cubit, two cubits, all nimble in their movements. They are in the habit of seizing dogs by the feet, throwing them upside down upon the floor, pinching their necks and using them ill. Maybe we should go back to me talking. Uh, there are there are also live yelling ghosts naked. It says here, there also live yelling ghosts naked, black, wan, tall, and high. Uh, who, hungry and in quest of food, are here and there emitting cries of distress. That sentence has no verb. I mean, obviously emitting cries of distress. There also live are here and there are. Oh, okay, okay. Fair enough. It was like run on, run on noun, and then eventually at the end they got to the predicate. Okay, I'll stop. <sighs> Those goblins, ghosts, imps, like vultures, are always looking out through the window and loopholes in all directions in search of food. Uh, those goblins, imps, I already said that. Uh, such is that dreadful house, spacious and high, but very infirm, full of holes, frail and dreary. Let's suppose that, remember that's parentheses, and parentheses, it is the property of a certain man. Let me guess, is he old, very old, and of many years, and also very old? Uh, and that while he is out of doors, the house is reached by a conflagration. Are we going to tell the whole story again, Lord Buddha? I mean, Lotus Sutra Buddha. Uh, so that on a sudden, on a sudden, on a sudden, there I was, on a sudden, it is wrapped in a blazing mass of fire on every side. I don't know. It seems like they just were like, yeah, okay, this, this part of the story goes here. Let's stick it in there. But it's like somebody wrote it, and then somebody wrote it a different way, so they shoved them together. Sometimes that happens, actually, where it's like, oh, in the earlier version, this whole story wasn't repeated again a different, different way with slightly different words. <clears throat> it happens. All right. Hmm. I think, you know, they have these, like, horrible taboos about editing and proofreading. He who changes one single word will go straight to the Avicii Hills for all eternity and be punctured by a lot of ice, you know, and fire and brimstone. So people are like, I'm not going to edit it. I, I don't want to proofread it. You proofread it. I don't want to proofread it. Please. Um, and that while he is out of doors... The house is reached by, okay, we said that, the beams and rafters consumed by the fire, the columns and partitions in flame are crackling most dreadfully, whilst goblins and ghosts are yelling. I'd like to see this in like full Technicolor. I don't know, it just sounds, has someone already done this? Am I, miss, am I missing out? Comment below if somebody's already done this. As a movie, vultures are driven out by hundreds. Urchins withdraw with parched faces. Are we talking about like street urchins or like sea urchins? I'm confused. 
I don't know what to visualize. Um, hundreds, but they have faces apparently, so, and they span one span. I mean, they, never mind. Hundreds of mischievous birds of prey, beasts of prey, I run. Let me read that again, just because this, some of these typos are fun. I'll start at the beginning. Vultures are driven out by hundreds. Urchins withdraw with parched faces. Hundreds of mischievous, mischievous beasts of prey I run. Scorched on every side, crying and shouting. Is that like a Freudian slip on behalf of the author of the Lotus Sutra? Or is that a typo on behalf of the translator? You decide. Okay. Uh, many poor devils, poor devils, many poor devils, not the rich devils, they're off doing something else. Many poor devils move about, burnt by the fire. Oh, they mean poor as in, while burning, they tear one another with the teeth and bespatter. Ooh, ooh, I want to use that word. Oh, next thing I write of any kind, I'm going to find a way to use bespatter each other with their blood. Nice. Hyenas also perish there in the act of eating one another. Cool. The excrements burn. How long is this going to go on? <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't just read the sutras during this one. You got a little, little something other than just descriptions of the most disgusting things that the author of the Lotus Sutra in around one or two hundred common era, 800 years after the Buddha walked the earth, uh, decided to put in here. I think the Buddha like might have mentioned once or twice that like, you know, being being in love with an object is like being in love with excrement, you know. And they were, someone was like, "Yeah, like excrement and splattered blood and goblins screaming and ghosts." There's uh, there's this one, uh, the the jewel in the lotus. Is that what it's called, or the precious garland? One of those. It's like very thin. But it, there's one part where it, it talks about if you're, if you're, you know, having feelings of lust and desire for a woman, just remember that she's just as, like, a, what was it? Something about a soft skin stretched over a turd. Like, wow. And then it went on, you know, from there. You know, trying to shake. I, mean, I guess when these monks, they, they make them monks when they're 12. And so they're 14. And, you know, anytime a, a female, like... Uh, lay person comes in to make offerings they're like <laughs> oh, oh, oh. and so like the the teacher comes in and says remember you know you're desiring excrement when you desire that beautiful woman that I'm not desiring I'm speaking as the teacher monk so they write it in to the sutras to pass it forward keep the wisdom going right Problematic wisdom. Ooh, problematic wisdom. Is that too loud? Is it getting too loud? Let me finish a sentence and then we'll wrap up, shall we? And then we'll get back to the excrement and screaming fire in uh, episode 16 and hopefully move on to something a little more pleasant. We don't even need the drums for the outro. We've got, got plenty of drums going on right here. Um, yeah. All right. 
Uh, hyenas? Did we talk about the hyenas? Yes. Hyenas also perish there. In the act of eating one another, the excrements burn, and a loathsome stench spreads in all directions. The centipedes trying to fly are devoured by the urchins. The ghosts with burning hair hover about, equally vexed with hunger and heat. In such a state is that awful house, where thousands of flames are breaking out on every side. But the man who is the master of the house looks on from without. Yeah! Okay, some cool beat poetry happening here or something. I don't know what that was. I hope that you were amused somewhat by some of that. And uh, thank you, as always, for tuning in for episode 15 of the Lotus Sutra. And uh, until next time, I will close with the prayer that my father taught me when I was very young. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.